Welcome to Waypoint Community Church. My name is Blair. We are starting a series this week that's based on a Netflix series called Stranger Things. Uh, you don't have to watch the series to follow along with us. It's been only two seasons, but millions of people watch it. It's uh, uh, pretty acclaimed. A lot of people are talking about it. I'm curious to know how many of you have been following along with Dustin, Mike, Lucas, you know, 11. Yeah, okay, so there's, there's some in here. That's good. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, the show is set in the 80s. And uh, so that's going to give us an opportunity to play the greatest music genre ever. Not really an opinion, just sharing facts at this point. Okay, they, they, um, and as often as we can, we're going to use songs from the show. They use this song in the show. And, uh, and hopefully it'll all make sense. It'll, you'll understand why we picked this song here in a little bit. The premise of the show is this. There are two worlds in conflict with each other. Uh, one has a desire to find its way into the other world and kind of dominate it, take it over. Uh, and it's a sci-fi show, science fiction show. It's my kind of show. And so there are we weird portals that happen in between these two worlds where they connect, where the conflict seems to happen. One of those portals, one of those conduits, however you want to think about it, is one of the kids on the show. His name is Will. And we don't, we don't know why Will ends up being kind of the center of trouble um, both seasons. We don't know if season three, if he will be or not. Um, but, but we're going to give a, a glimpse of these two worlds to you through his eyes um, out of a clip from the show. And so we're going we're gonna to let you see he's in the real world, and then he kind of goes into this trance because he kind of gets pulled between these two at times in the conflict. So check this out. Hey. Hey, guys, do you see the... but I think I want to watch the show with our sound system, right? <laughs> wow, let's run that again. No, okay, no, okay. Um, uh, ominous, right? And fairly easy to tell which world is bad and which world is good. You can see the conflict there. I couldn't help, as I watched um, this show, and I watched both seasons, I could not help but think that it was an incredible metaphor for what happens for those of us who follow Jesus. That there is a battle for our attention and two worlds are pulling on us. Except in our case, sometimes it's more subtle. It's not as easy to see. You can't figure it out. You kind of know that it's going on 
Um, and maybe you would, you would identify it as pulling. You're being pulled between two places. Somebody says something critical to you, and you prepare your volley back. And it's going to be good because you have to defend yourself. And while you're getting ready to just drop it on them, something else inside you pulls at you and says, let this go. Just, just stop right now. And you, and you feel that tension. Or you're standing in the eternal mire line, right? And the lady with 30 coupons up there gets into an argument over a 20-cent coupon, right? And you're watching it happen in slow motion as she reaches for that stupid blue light, right, that starts going like this. And every time it flickers, your eye starts twitching at that same pace, right? And you're digging through your clothes. If I can find a quarter, I'm going to tell her to leave the store now, right? And the whole while you feel that way, there's another voice that taps at you and says, why don't you just be patient right now? Why, why don't you just stop worrying about this and let this go? And you feel that tension. Or your, your neighbor or your friend gets that new whatever and you know you're supposed to be happy for him but you're not happy for them. You're unhappy for you. You wish you had it. Why couldn't that be me? Why couldn't I find myself in that place? And you compare, and you get all twisted up. Or, or maybe, maybe you like your house with a little less furniture, and your wife likes to drive around and find furniture on the side of the road that she brings home as projects and stores all over the place, and you want to burn it. You want to take it all out and burn it right now. Does this sound personal at all? Because this is what's happening to me right now. <laughs> right? Like, you have this thing where you want to be gracious and kind, but you're annoyed, and you're upset by something. And you don't, you don't know what's going on with you. You feel that tension. I wonder how many times, because uh, I, I know I do it, I wonder how many times you choose the dark side of things only to realize it a little bit later. You, you cop that attitude with somebody. You interact with somebody with not the greatest motives ever. Your actions are unkind, and you kind of know it. The words you deliver are mean. Or, or you just decide, I'm going to post it anyway. Boom. I'll just put it out there in that world, and it doesn't really touch me. And as soon as you do that, you feel a tug, right? Why did you cross that line? Why did you do this? Now you're going to have to fix this. Now I want you to find a way back. And this tension that we find ourselves in is something that God deeply cares about. It's why uh, most of us would identify with a song that they just played. I know it's 80s song, great music, all that kind of stuff. 
But the reason we identify with that song is because we've been there. We've been in that place where we're not sure if we should stay, if we should go. Where one moment it's fine and the next it's black and sometimes that defines our lives with the spiritual choices that we're making. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I think I'm supposed to respond this way but I'm being pulled to respond in another way or this one feels really natural to do and something inside me says that's not good enough. Don't go there. Maybe it might be helpful to understand the nature of the two worlds that are pulling on us. One of them is the culture that we live in. We, we have grown up with it. We know it. We know, we know the natural things to do. We know the natural way to think and to process. And it just comes really easy for us. And the other world that's tugging on us is God's kingdom, his values. He has a certain way of thinking about things. And so that's pulling on our hearts too. And, and we feel that tension in the middle. This, this tension has been around since the beginning of the scriptures, I mean, it's recorded, where there's this desire to just kind of do what the culture's doing, it's really easy, and then there's this call for God to ask you to do something different, and there's pressure and tension in all of that. And the church has found ways to talk about this. I don't, I don't know if you've heard this, I bet a lot of people have heard this. How many of you have heard this phrase, we're in the world, but not of it. Could you just raise your hand if you've heard that before? Yeah. Um, really popular saying, it's, it's not in the scriptures. Like, it's been around so long that most people would say, well, what verse is that in? It's not. It, you've had to kind of put it together. And here's what I find uh, kind of interesting about that. Almost every time... Somebody says, you have to be in the world and not of it. What follows afterwards is a bunch of things that you should or shouldn't do based on their understanding of it. Because they have figured out that it's hard to live in this world, that we're being pulled one way, pulled the other way. And so they've concluded, if we can just give you what you need to do or don't do, then you can work this out. You, you can just follow along about what you should or shouldn't do and everything will be fine in the end. But almost always it's about like the places you should go or the things that you should watch or not watch or all of that kind of stuff. And rarely, if ever, I grew up with this and I can't remember a single moment where it was about your motive and your attitude, all the things that are hidden away that God really deeply cares about. Now, this idea of we're in the world and not of it, I, I, I wanna look at that just a little bit because um, it, it comes from a section of scripture found in John, Jesus is speaking. In John chapter 15, um, he's talking about our place in this world. And he says this, this is verse 19. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Now, there's a lot going on right here. This sense of belonging 
That is something that God has placed in every one of us. We, we want to find a group who loves us, knows us, that we trust. They trust us. And God says, listen, that sense of belonging, you're not going to find in the world. You don't, you don't belong here. You belong in my kingdom. I've, I've put you in that place. And because of that, you're going to end up hated, which is a little disturbing, right? Who wants to be hated? We don't, we don't even like to get dislikes, right? We want thumbs up all the time on the stuff that we post and do. If they made a dislike button, it would crush most of us, right? We don't want to hear about that. And yet, the scriptures seem to think that because we don't belong here, look, I'm trying to live here, but I don't belong here and I could be hated. It starts to sound like we're, we're going to become the spiritual equivalent of the people of Walmart. Have you ever been on that, that website? People are way too comfortable with Walmart. <laughs> they think it's like their home. And you can't be on that website very long without being disturbed. But, but people show up and they're out of sync with everybody. And you're like, you do that at home, right? But why are you here? I actually have, I have some pictures to help you with this, right? Yeah. Now, I saw that and then I thought, I bet Scott Virgil has a camo kilt. So maybe that's not as weird as it seems, right? He's probably got something like that. And then, then the next one, and here, this is what I concluded. I think this guy is posing for this picture because those are Billy Bob teeth, right? Well, who does that? Like, who wears green mini shorts? Cover your belly, man. I mean, who, who goes into a store and does that? This next one is real. I, listen, if you want to tow a goat, tow a goat, But I guarantee that goat is not potty trained. And that goat should not be in Walmart. Right? That's just weird. And then the next one. Who wears tube socks with that outfit? Right? Is that what you're thinking? The tube socks are the problem, right? When we, when we read that we don't belong, is that what we're talking about? Like, we've got to be some sort of oddball out there or it doesn't really count. We're not really on God's team. And to make us stand out really bad, we've got to be really strange. Well, it turns out, Jesus is going to address this. He's going he's to sit his disciples down, and Matthew's going to record a whole bunch of what he says, and, I, and it's a lot. I, I don't know if Matthew wrote this stuff down. I don't know if this was so radical that he just remembered it so much or that maybe Jesus repeated this. But starting in chapter five of Matthew, it's five, six, and seven, Jesus teaches his disciples about this tension between two worlds that they're pulled between. And he uses some really unique language while he's doing it. Um, he says to them, you've heard it said and everything that he says, and then says, you've heard it said, and then follows up with that, every one of his disciples would have been, yeah, we've heard it said. Either it was part of the way culture worked, 
And everybody lived that way. They would have, it would have been like, yeah, we all do this. What are you talking about? Or in some of the instances when he says, you've heard it said, he was talking about two rabbis that had competing views during Jesus' time. One in the south, Shemaiah, um, one in the Galilee area named Hillel, and they had competing stuff. But their arguments were so widely known that Jesus didn't have to actually tell you the whole argument. He just would have to summarize, and he's, he does that some. He says, if you've heard it said, and yeah, we've heard it said, we've heard this discussion our whole lives between these two rabbis. And some of the stuff that he says you've heard it said is directly from the Torah. They would have said, yeah, we've heard it said. God said that. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, you've heard it said, but. But I tell you. And he goes on and he says, listen, you've heard it said one way. The culture has informed you one way. You have understood things this way. But I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you the kind of standards, the kind of stuff that's really important to the heart of God, if you'll listen. I'm gonna tell you that you've misunderstood the Torah along the way. I'm gonna tell you all of this kind of stuff, and I'm gonna unwrap why you have this tension in your life, because you've heard it one way, but God has a different way for you to think about it. Now, in the next three weeks, that's what we're gonna do. We're actually gonna take you in to sections of scripture where somebody says, or where Jesus says, you've heard it this way, but I tell you. But before we do that, I wanna, I wanna take you to what Jesus started with. Because he doesn't start with you've heard it said, he starts with what's at stake. He says the stakes are high. And he starts by talking to his disciples about who they are, and this is about who you are too. In Matthew chapter five, verse 13, he's about to lay out a picture of who we are, and here's, here's what I think is really helpful. If you're a follower of Jesus, I think what we're gonna talk about in these next 15 minutes or so is gonna help you frame an understanding of what it means for you to follow Jesus. For those of you who might be on the fence, you're not sure if you really ever wanna follow Jesus, you don't know what you think about all of this, I think what's happened is it's, these versions of Christianity are so many and so extensive that you can get lost in it and you can wonder, is this something I want? And I'm, I hope that as you hear the words of Jesus explain what he's looking for from us, that it'll be really clear that this is the kind of life that you would want, the kind of life that is valuable and worthwhile. So Jesus starts, he's making, setting the stakes, and he says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. And in verse 14 he says, you are the light of the world. He says, this is who you are. Your oddity your difference here is that you're salt and that you're light. Now, you have to understand, uh, Jesus is talking to a world that would have understood salt in a really different way than we do, and they would have had a very different experience with light than we do. And so um, he doesn't just say you're salt and you're light. He follows it up with some more information. Look at what he says about salt. 
in verse 13, he says, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Jesus assumes he's talking to a group of people who understand the salt economy. And, uh, and he would have, at the time, they would have all known what they were talking about. For us, when we think salt, we think of flavoring food, and they actually used it to flavor food too. There was actually a thick, pasty substance that they would put on fish and other stuff that they would eat that was really salty, that, like a condiment. Um, I don't know what it was, like fish rub. Um, and they would eat that sort of thing. But they used it for a lot of other things too. They didn't have a refrigeration. And so if they wanted food to be preserved, they would use salt on it. They used it on fish, they used it on other products so that it would take out the, the liquid from it and it would be retained. And you could eat that later. And so you had, you had that as a deal. Um, you have to think about their health as well. These were people who lived in hard, difficult times without air conditioning. You're sweating all the time. What happens when you sweat all the time? You need to replenish that with some stuff. When I was young and we would be out working in the hay fields, if it was a really hot day and we'd be out for hours, my mom would show up with salt pills and she'd hand them out and everybody would be taking salt pills. And they would actually um, take salt themselves for health and they would give it to their animals for health. Um, because wild animals got enough foliage that they would get enough salt in their diet, but their animals would get licks and they would lick this salt and it would allow them to be healthy. Um, it was used to produce goods, leather, olives, pickles, all that kind of stuff. It was used as trade. At times, it was used to pay Roman army wages. It's where the phrase, he's worth his weight in salt comes from and meant you were somebody special if you were worth your weight in salt because they would actually use that as payment. And you would take that and go away. Now, what's Jesus referring to here when he says, you, you are the salt of this earth? I think he's talking about it all. I, I think he's saying, listen, you add flavor. You add purpose and meaning to a world that's dull. You bring health. You bring health and healing. You preserve things. You add value to stuff. That's who you are. But, he says, but, if you lose your saltiness, all you're good for is being thrown out. And uh, this is where they use this. When it would rain, they would take this diluted salt and they would throw it on the steps so that you wouldn't slip. The temple did it. You could use it at your home. And, he, and here's what's um, interesting. Uh, salt could be diluted for them in a couple ways. If it got a lot of water in it, it would get so thin that all of those uses that salt was good for, it couldn't do anymore. And so it was diluted that way, and it was diluted a second way. They would mine it with other uh, particles in it, sand and stuff sometimes. And sometimes um, the sand that was in there would be so much uh, of that that it would overwhelm the salt, and you couldn't really taste the salt anymore. And so they would just take and throw that stuff out. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you're the salt. But the problem is if you become diluted, if you become worn down, then you're not good for anything. Then he goes on and says, you're the light. 
And in verse 15, he says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. When was the last time you experienced a stormy night, your electric goes out at your house, you ran around, lit a candle, and then put a bowl over it? Nobody does that, right? He says, instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everything in the house. Um, these people understood darkness. Their light wasn't a switch. It was a little lamp that had some oil in it that you could light, and that would be your light. They used that, they used that little lamp to see things. They would use it to guide them uh, around paths and walkways so you wouldn't bump into stuff. Uh, in bigger places, they would put oil um, out by the ports or places where a ship could get wrecked and it would warn people away. So you used it to see, you used it to guide, you used it to warn. And Jesus was saying, listen, that's who you are. Your, your light, you give people a chance to see things, you give people a chance to be guided, you give warning with the words and the way that you choose to live, unless you cover that up. Jesus says, listen, this is who you are, your salt and your light. And what you bring to this world is pretty incredible. But the problem is not you being in the world. So that's the problem with that phrase, you're in the world and not of it. It's almost like being in the world is the contamination thing. And you've got to find a way to extract yourself and prevent yourself from coming into contact with that gross thing because it's going to mess you up. But Jesus would say, the problem is not being in the world. The problem is, who do you get your information from for how you live in this world? Because here's the truth. You were built for this place. You're light. You're salt. We make a difference. That's who we are. And when you step in to the places that are dark, you will be different. And when you show up with purpose and meaning to people who have none, they're just going through a dull existence, it will be different. And that is who we are. And God says, that's what's at stake. It's where you get your information from. If you take all of your cues from the culture that you live in, if you think all of the things that are natural, normal, that just come easy to you are the way that you should live, you will end up choosing over and over again things that dilute your message and cover your light. And you'll end up missing out on who I made you to be in the first place. But if you get your information from me, if you stop worrying about what you should or shouldn't, and you realize when I'm here, in this moment, I have a chance to be salt and light, it changes your whole motivation for living. See, that moment when you feel those those things pulling on you, you feel that tension, what ought to go off in your mind is I'm standing in a prime opportunity for me to be salt and light. My choice matters. How I live matters right now. The motives that I choose, the attitude that I have, 
All of that is an opportunity for me to be who I was always meant to be. I'm gonna step forward, I'm gonna be salt. I'm gonna be light. Think about this for just a minute. You could be the person who brings health, health to another person. You could preserve somebody, an organization, a situation, even a company. You could be the preserving factor in that. You could show up and guide somebody who needs it desperately. You could be the warning in their life that they wouldn't get any other way. And, and it comes down to who you'll listen to, whose information you'll live your life based on. And so for the next three weeks, we're gonna talk about how Jesus looks at his followers and says, here's how I want you to clue in. I want you to clue in to the stuff I'm gonna tell you because if you choose my standards, if you choose my way of living, this is who you could be. Salt, light. In a world that's full of darkness and decay, you might not belong here, but you were built for this. And if you would step into your role, we could do something about this world together. That's who you are. And instead of worrying about being contaminated, you want to know the truth? You're the stranger thing. You're the invader. This world is dark, and we bring light to it. We don't belong here, not in that we don't live here and that we don't have a place here. We don't belong here because we don't get our values from here. We get them somewhere else, and it causes us to live a different kind of life. I hope the thought of that sticks with you this week as you feel that tension at times. I think we feel it all the time. And you'll realize what's at stake is you living out who, you'll, who you're gonna be. Or if you'll choose that darker side of things and then have to go clean up your mess. The stakes are high. Your salt and your light it's time to step up to your role. Let me pray with you. God, we live in a world that um, wants to give us the information to live on. And, and, and for me, uh, I take it in. It's easier, it protects me, allows me to defend myself. I feel good when I strike back. And yet, you have really high stakes. That there's an opportunity for us to be the kind of people who are really different than the people around us. And because of that, your values get seen, your values get shared, people get repaired and healed because we chose you and not our culture's cues. God, I think um, the reality is we know when we've kind of adopted the culture stand on things 
And I ask that your spirit would be active this morning, that you would go around and tap on a heart and say, listen, what I want from you is salt and light. And this, this right here, this has to go. It's the wrong value. It's the wrong cue. You've listened to the wrong thing. So God, I ask that you would pull our hearts in this morning because you have, you have stakes that are high. You want, you want us to be here. You just want us to listen carefully to a different set of values. We love you. We're so grateful that you give us purpose and meaning with how we choose to live. God, help us to embrace that and to step into our roles of salt and light in a world that's full of darkness and decay. Go with us in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you could please stand and sing with us. We want to respond to what the Lord